Welcome to the Association of Schools Advancing Health Professions, a leading source for interprofessional collaboration to improve health. Useful insights about publishing in this organization's Journal of Allied Health can be found in a top podcast series featuring episodes narrated by its editor, Dr. Thomas Elwood. Listeners not only will obtain valuable information about transformational developments in the wider world of journal publications, but also views on peer review and reasons why manuscripts either are accepted or rejected. So listen, learn, and enjoy. Welcome to a series of podcasts based on editorials that were published between 2008 and 2020 in the Journal of Allied Health. These items are a companion piece to a book in both print and ebook formats that is entitled From Fish to Philosopher. The editorials represent an effort to convey how the journal continues to evolve from one quarterly issue to the next by reflecting changing sets of circumstances during that time period. The intended audience consists of prospective authors who consider submitting manuscripts to the Journal of Allied Health. They will have an opportunity to learn about some inner workings of this publication. A second group comprises readers and listeners with a broad interest in the universe of professional periodicals who may benefit by learning more about various topics such as open access, impact factors, gender-related issues, predatory journals, and replicability. Episode 15, Summer 2012 Issue, An Odyssean View of the Ever-Changing World of Health Journals. Homer's Odyssey describes the action-packed journey of the tale's protagonist to his homeland in Ithaca following the Ten-Year Trojan War. In a somewhat similar vein, academic journals embark on their own travels and the passage from one point to another can entail periodically shifting between the sloughs of despond and the vertiginous heights of ecstasy. The development and omnipresence of the internet has produced both kinds of emotion in the domain of periodicals. The creation of open access has made it possible for the results of research to become freely accessible to scholars and the general public. Maria Lepton, director of the European Molecular Biology Organization, describes the financial challenges associated with open access. Publishers must charge authors, fees range from $1,000 to $5,000 per article, to finance this mode of manuscript dissemination. The choices for publishers are, first, either to be rigorously selective by accepting a small percentage of submitted manuscripts that would be highly expensive, or second, choosing to have large-volume, low-selectivity, open-access publishing to generate substantial profits. Controversy over such matters as open access has an impact on researchers, publishers, academic institutions, funding agencies, and governments. Competing bills in Congress provide an illustration of how the latter is affected. H.R. 4004, the Federal Research Public Access Act of 2012, a companion bill in the Senate is S. 2096, states that each federal agency with extramural research expenditures of over $100 million shall allow free online public access to final peer-reviewed manuscripts or published versions as soon as practicable but not later than six months after publication in peer-reviewed journals. 
Each federal research public access policy shall apply to researchers employed by the federal agency whose works remain in the public domain and researchers funded by the federal agency. Contrarywise, H.R. 3699, the Research Works Act, would prohibit such mandates. Another kind of odyssey is characterized by the evolving roles of medical journals. Thousands of these publications have come and gone over the past 200 years. One item that has displayed continued staying power, however, is the New England Journal of Medicine, which made its appearance on the scene in 1812, albeit under a different name, that is, the New England Journal of Medicine and Surgery and the Collateral Branches of Science. A summary of developments over the two centuries since this publication came into existence describes challenges medical journals must face. Presently, as a means of surviving, they have to rely on sponsors, medical societies or colleges, and advertisers, pharmaceutical and otherwise, forming relationships sometimes viewed as Faustian bargains due to the possibility of the autonomy of editors being compromised. A related development that is possible today is to have access to blogs on the Internet that contain the views of experts on various topics such as health reform. No longer is it necessary to wait for a journal to be issued that advances propositions by an author, and then having to wait even longer for the next issue to become available in order to discover that another expert disputes such assertions mightily. Instead, these verbal joustings can be followed day by day, accompanied by the opinions of even more commentators who weigh in as the blog expands. What does it all mean? It is common to see in the conclusion section of many papers appearing in the professional literature a description of acknowledged limitations, such as recognition that other studies produce different results or that the findings may not represent a definitive final explanation of the phenomenon being investigated. It also is conceivable in some instances that claimed research findings may simply be accurate measures of the prevailing bias. A good example of lead time bias occurs in cancer screening. It happens when screening detects a cancer earlier than would have been diagnosed upon the appearance of symptoms. Yet, the earlier diagnosis does nothing to change the course of the disease as measured in survival terms. Length bias affords a related example, which refers to screening that is more likely to detect slower growing, less aggressive cancers that can be present longer than faster growing cancers prior to the appearance of symptoms. Another concern is overdiagnosis, which entails discovering a slow growing cancer that never would result in harm or require treatment. Many screen detected prostate cancers are overdiagnosed. Additional shortcomings are that self-reports by respondents in a study may not always be reliable. A small sample size and lack of statistical power can affect interpretation of study results. Another key matter is the ability to replicate the findings of various investigations. It is not unusual to report positive results stemming from a study and either glossing over or failing to admit that the favorable outcome was overshadowed by negative outcomes that are not reported. Insofar as the Journal of Allied Health is concerned, 
Certain studies that make their way into our own publication are based on an assessment of student attitudes, which does not necessarily mean that eventual behavior will conform to the attitudes being expressed. Until students are placed in a workplace situation on a daily basis and have to experience conditions that actually prevail, their earlier attitudes may be different from those they have at a later time. The fact that the future has not been born yet calls for exercising some caution by abstaining from launching a premature commemoration of the birth. This article had one reference cited. The author is Leptin, spelled L-E-P-T-I-N. It's an editorial. It appeared in the journal Science, volume 335, on March 16, 2012, page 1279. Thank you for joining us. You can learn more about the Association of Schools Advancing Health Professions at ASAHP.org.